Good morning and welcome to the February 2022, can you believe it, uh, episode of Black Book Talk. This month we're doing a Valentine's show. I don't know that we've done that that much in the past, but we are very fortunate to have with us today our special guest coming from across the pond from the UK, Lizzie Damilola Blackburn, who is the author of Yinka, Where Is Your Husband? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like there's been a real influx of Black British talent in so many areas, and maybe we can talk about that. Like, is there anybody left over there? Because so many (laughs) creatives are coming to this country. But we are delighted to have you with us this morning. Tell us a little bit about. Thank you so much for having me. Right. Tell us a little bit about your book. And also, no, before we do that, I'm Patricia Welch of Black Book Talk, and the co hosts today are with us. I'm Emma Jackson Ford, Bookwoman. Good morning. Oh, uh, yes. OB Hill, Reflections, Let's Read, Walk, and Talk. Okay, let's get to this. And I hope before um, we leave today that you can read an excerpt from the book, but just tell us a little bit, give us a little introduction to this wonderful book. Yeah, so um, Yinka Weja Osband is a romantic comedy and it follows the protagonist Yinka, who is a British Nigerian woman in her thirties who lives in Peckham, South London. And Yinka's love life is a hot mess. <laughs> um, her very traditional Nigerian mom is pressuring her to settle down as well as her many, many aunties. And then her cousin goes and gets herself engaged. And so Yinka is really feeling the pressure. And so she decides to set up this plan to find a date in time for her cousin's wedding. But then what kind of starts off as something very simplistic turns into something way more drastic. And Yinka feels as though she has to change herself in order to find love. So in addition to this being a love story is also a story of self-discovery, which Shinka goes on with the help of her amazing friends. As I was reading this, I kept thinking, well, very organized, but I also kept thinking lots of family. Did you grow up with lots of aunties in the same way? Yeah, so in terms of my immediate family, it's just um, my mom and dad, obviously, but uh, myself, I have three siblings. And I have cousins as well in the UK, but I have lots of aunties and uncles um, in Nigeria and also in the US. And we're all part of this like WhatsApp group. So we're very much like still in contact and we kind of chat every day um, via WhatsApp. But funny enough, I didn't base any of the characters on like my real life aunties. They kind of evolved on their own. I remember just like writing the first chapter and these voices just kind of popped out of nowhere. And I was like, oh, I really like I really like this. I'm going to keep it. But one thing I wanted to make sure is that I didn't portray all Nigerian women as being the same. So hence why you have like Auntie Debbie, who's kind of like the more affluent one um, but also quite traditional at heart and you have Auntie Blessing who is very much westernized and you have Yinka's mom who's you know very spiritual and quite conservative as well. Yes I I was uh, wondering you use what I consider to be a lot of folklore within the context of your book and then I was wondering if the the ethnic background is Yoruba. 
Oh, okay. Yes. So um, I am Yoruba and um, I guess I did kind of like draw on some bits that I was familiar with and um, some bits that I weren't, I just, I just kind of like checked with my mom. So in terms of like um, the Yoruba language, cause I don't speak my mother tongue. So I kind of checked with my mom just to make sure that I got that a bit accurate. I'm in a book club and it seems to be over the past two or three years, a number of the books that we've read have been by Afro-British authors. And mm-hmm. it's been really interesting to see the differences, but to me, even more interesting to see the similarities. You know, I, I guess culture is now international and these books prove it. But I wondered, um, how influenced were you by American, Afro-American writers and culture? I mean, certainly there were a lot of things in there that were unfamiliar to me. I was like, okay, I'm getting some <laughs> of this. I'm probably missing it. But, but how much of, of, of your influences have been from, I'll say the diaspora, not just African-American, but, you know, uh, from around the world? Yeah, good question. I would say I was like heavily influenced by just African-American like romance movies, because that was something that I loved growing up. So I loved, you know, Love Jones and Brown Sugar and Best Man is like my favorite movie. And I've always wanted to see um, something similar here in the UK. So like a black British romance movie or even a book. So that's why I kind of decided to do um, something about it. And also, are you familiar with the TV show Insecure? It's very big in the US. That's like a, a, a Gen X or a millennial kind of show. And I am like <laughs> baby boomer. I love that show. I'm so sorry it's over. I, I feel yeah, so good at how things turn out. And I can see some of Issa. <laughs> <laughs> you know, from Yinka. <laughs> yeah. So like Insecure, again, like was a huge inspiration for me. And I love how um, it kind of centers around like female friendships and also how um, Issa doesn't kind of like fall into the strong black woman trope. I love that she's a bit awkward and, um, you know, a bit out of date on certain things. And um, I kind of use some of those quirks with Yinka. So, and also sometimes when I had writer's block, I would watch an, an episode of Insecure to kind of like help me kind of get the creative juices flowing. So yeah, lots of influences came from um, the African-American culture, but also um, Nollywood as well. So when it came to the aunties. Um, Nollywood? Yeah, Nollywood, Nigerian films. Okay. Yeah, so um, one thing I love about Nollywood, especially the comedy ones, is that they always kind of exaggerate the personality. So I kind of did that a bit with the aunties to kind of, for it to be funny and to, you know, bring a bit of humor into the book. Where did the story come from? You said that the you started it and then the characters just appeared. Uh, but in the beginning, where did the storyline come from? Yeah, so at the very beginning, Yinka's story was actually a very short story. <laughs> so I had a blog called Christian Dating Dilemmas, which I ran back in 2014, 2015. And um, the reason why I set this up is because I was looking for like mainstream fiction with a Christian protagonist, but I couldn't find any. So I thought I would do something about it. And also my dear mom was kind of like asking me about my husband, even though I was like 
just finished uni and just start a new job. So I decided to use my inspiration, um, my experience, sorry, as inspiration to write a story about a British Nigerian woman going through the same thing. The decision to turn it into a novel came much later on. So I attended this blogging workshop and I met this fantastic author called Jackie Lay. And I shared my blog with her because I wanted to get some feedback on my writing. And in addition to her giving me some really helpful feedback, she said, do you know what? I really like this Yinka character. I think you should turn it into a novel. And so I took on a challenge blindly (laughs) and the rest you could say is history. You had um, some timetables in here. You use a lot of mathematical models (laughs) uh, in the, in fact, actually, you, you mentioned Stella in, in one of the, the paragraphs. And mm. uh, I was uh, able to meet him doing Festac 77. Oh, cool. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask about the fact that you did choose to write about a character who is celibate, which mm. uh, seemed... <laughs> Amazing. I mean, I, you know, we all read a lot. And quite frankly, I just don't remember reading anything recently about a young single woman who was celibate. Why did you choose to do this? Was this a big risk of what, what, what kind of feedback have you received from that aspect of the novel? Yeah. So initially when I was writing Yinka's story, I thought it would be um, Christian fiction. And I did actually contemplate going down that route. But then when I looked at the publishers, um, they had like quite um, strict guidelines in terms of like what is accepted and what's not accepted. So, for example, like no expletives and things like that. And I just kind of felt like actually Yinka's story is very universal. The whole concept of like feeling pressured to find love and kind of questioning whether it would ever happen to um, yourself. So that's why I decided to go down the traditional route. And, you know, there's loads of people, not just women <laughs> out there who are practicing celibacy. I want them to be seen, number one. And also I wanted, because like in popular culture, sex is so like, is often talked about and interwoven in like TV and music. Those who are practicing celibacy can seem a bit like foreign or a bit outdated or old fashioned. So I kind of wanted to remove that stigma from it and in the same way that we kind of celebrate sexual liberation I think we should also celebrate and respect people who are choosing to be celibate and not judge them for that decision. You know thank you for that representation is so important and it hits me this is a whole group a whole population segment that is not represented is not spoken up so I know that there are many people who will probably applaud you for this. Thank you. (laughs) I want to go back to what Obi was talking about, about the marking of time. I noticed that you started out on a Saturday and then I noticed uh, in another chapter, it said Tuesday. Mm. Was this just marking time or what was the idea behind that? Because I like that I remember it catching my eye right away. Okay. I like novels that show us the time. Or <laughs> but why were you doing it? Yeah, to be fair, I can't take credit for that because that was actually 
something that my editor suggested because um, I think when they were reading Yinka, they kind of lost track of time because um, so much happened um, within the month. So they said, okay, so that the readers don't get lost, maybe you should just say at the very top of the chapter, like what day it is. <laughs> and also it kind of um, adds to the whole like ticking clock because she has this plan, this quest to find a date in time for her cousin's wedding. So it kind of adds to that pressure of like time running out as well. Three generations of, of women were featured in this book from what I understand. And the worry was to carry on the tradition of the link between to the next generation. Is that uh, one of the central themes? Yeah, that's a very good um, observation. I think it wasn't um, a theme that I had at the forefront of my mind, but I think one thing that I love about discussing the Inca with readers is that I discover new things. And I guess towards the end of the book, I think Yinka kind of reconciles the fact that she does grapple with being both Britain, both British and Nigerian, but she also takes it upon herself to be, to learn more about her Nigerian culture. So in the book, like she's not really good at cooking Nigerian foods, but then towards the end, she decides that, okay, I'm going to try and learn or at least get someone to help me. And um, her sister as well, she's like very in tune with her Nigerian culture. So I guess she has her to learn from as well. I like the fact that this is a fun book to read. You know, <laughs> it's, not, it's not really long. It's not, it's, actually, it's not super serious. And yet in the same way that it introduces the notion of celibacy, which is just not something, as I said, that, that we read about that much. So. Mm it's an opportunity for people to consider that, to think about that. You also, you know, introduce the notion of the effects of colorism. So could you talk yeah. a little bit about that? Because again, that's something that's actually quite serious and an issue mm. still in our communities. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I just knew that I couldn't write a story about a dark-skinned woman who also happens to have like short kinky hair and not touch on colorism and texturism because I feel like it does have a part to play when it comes to, you know, dating. And I really wanted um, Yinka Major Husband to kind of be a mirror and to kind of hold it up to, to society and show it for what it is. Because in society, like, you know, light-skinned women are kind of put on a pedestal. We don't see enough dark-skinned women in like magazines or in movies as a love interest or in music videos. And so Yinka as a dark-skinned woman, she kind of sees all that and internalizes it. And then she questions her own worth and her, her beauty, her attractiveness, and it has a knock-on effect on her self-esteem. And so um, I just really wanted to raise awareness of colorism so that people can kind of know what it looks like in the day-to-day -day life. And it's been so great to hear from both black readers, but also non-black readers who have reached out to me and said, you know, do you know what? Thank you so much for talking about this and for, um, you know, informing me about this issue. I never knew it was a real issue in the black community. I'm not saying that, you know, Yink is going to eradicate colorism, but at least it can play a part in, you know, create that dialogue about what it is and what we can do as individuals to, to help, you know, tackle it. And it also creates awareness that, especially in this country, a lot of things that we think are unique 
to African-Americans are not unique. Mm, There are many things that, you know, that are in effect internationally. And Mm -hmm. so, I mean, I love the fact that, you know, in reading a book by a Black person who's not an African-American, that we're seeing the similarities, but we're also being introduced happily to some of the differences. So, you know, Mm -hmm. I I just appreciated that in the book. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Are there plans for a follow-up like Yinka gets married? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Yinka, where's your babies? <laughs> Do you know what? Uh, I am writing book two, but it's not a sequel, but never say never. I think when the time is right um, and, you know, when I have a solid idea, then I'm not going to say no to that. But in terms of book two, it is kind of interconnected to Yinka's world. So I think fans of Yinka will be delighted to hear that. But I can't say too much about it because I'm still like in the early stages and I know it's going to like change, <laughs> you know, as, as writing does over time. But um, yeah, I'm really excited about it. You know, it would be wonderful for our listeners to hear uh, just a, a brief passage from the book so they can have their own kind of direct interaction with, with Yinka. So Lizzie, could you just read a passage for us? Yeah, sure. And just to give you a bit of context, um, the passage that I'm reading is from chapter one. And it's the day of Yinka's younger sister's baby shower. And her mom has just come to an end, the end of a very long prayer. (laughs) I open my eyes to see a wave of women collapsing on their seats, each breathing a loud sigh of relief, except for Big Mama. She's already slumped in her chair, shoes kicked off and legs outstretched. Her toenails look like pork scratchings dipped in red paint. I smile. Big Mama may not be the most decorous of my 300 odd aunties because in Nigerian culture, every African woman who is older than you by at least 10 years is by default your auntie, regardless of whether or not you're blood related. But still, I can't help but love the woman. Hold on, she thrusts forward in her chair. So Lou, you didn't pray for your eldest daughter. Mom, who for the past two hours has been patting her bird's nest of a weave sporadically as if she has fleas, turns to me with wide eyes. Oh, yes, she exclaims, using one hand to hoist up her wrapper while the other continues to pat her itchy scalp. How could I forget about Yinka, the investment banker? Heads swoosh in my direction, and despite my attempts to avoid eye contact with my aunties, I can tell they're grinning at me encouragingly. No matter how many times I've told mum that I work as an operations manager in an investment bank, she still gets it wrong. Whether she does this due to pride or because it's easier to explain, I'm still unsure. And to be fair, it's the first thing that most people assume whenever I tell them I work for Godfrey and Jackson. No one ever thinks of the operations team, the unsung heroes who work in the back office and work through all the processes to settle each banker's trade. Okay, operations may not sound glamorous, but it's still a solid job and I'm proud of it. Anyway, whatever the reason, mom sure does mention my profession as an investment banker a hell of a lot more than she mentions Kemi's job as a drama teacher though not to the extent to which she gloats about Kemi being married or having a baby, of course. Yes, God has blessed me with two daughters. I should pray for them both, mum claps. Oh yeah, 
Everybody, rise to your feet. We have to pray for Yinka. The groans are somehow both quiet and yet loud enough to fill the room. Ah, ah, what is all this grumbling? The remark comes from Big Mama, of course. And yet, while everyone is reluctantly rising to their feet, she's still sitting comfortably like she's on a throne. If Yinka's mom said she would give 20 pounds to everyone who is standing, would you be mourning the way that you are now? I beg, get up, my friend. Don't you know it's good to pray? She kisses her teeth. Nonsense. <laughs> oh, Yinka is a young woman under intense pressure. Her mama, her auntie. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, I just want to thank you very much for this book. I I enjoyed reading it. I, uh-huh. as a rule, don't get a chance to read anything like this. And I, I really must compliment you for doing a very great job and getting me some insights into um, how certain people opposite of me think. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. It's, it's a pleasure just to hear like people from the other side of the pond just like talk about Yinka and to gush over it. So I really do appreciate it. Thank you. I was reading somewhere that people were asking about who the book was, who the audience was. Mm. Um, and you were saying postgraduate. What was the thought behind that? Because I thought I had some young young people, 19 and 20, who might really enjoy this book and the stuff they didn't understand that they would try to figure out where to go to understand it better. Yeah, I feel like, do you know what? I feel like Yinka now reflects on it. I feel like it's for everyone because that kind of concept of a, a woman feeling the pressure to settle down, um, I think most people can relate to that. And I think also with like the, the popular references and the use of social media and the WhatsApp, I think, you know, young people can relate to it. But then also, I think older people can relate to it as well because, you know, they have different generations. You have the aunties and the mum and just seeing like how their like perspectives and way of doing things can influence, have an impact on the younger ones. I think they'll find it interesting. So I think it's for everyone, really. Yeah. Let's talk about these men. (laughs) The women are just like, (laughs) Fabulous and strong and distinctive personality. (laughs) But the men are kind of interesting too. So how did you craft these characters? Because I I think I'm kind of circling around to them. And how many of these folks are folks who who are from your life? And (laughs) and how many were? So when I started writing Yinka, I knew that I wanted to have... um, to have um, lots of like black men in the book because I don't think there's enough in mainstream fiction. So um, that was really like, I was very passionate about doing that. And my husband really emphasized the importance of making sure that I did a great job in terms of like representing black men and not just kind of like portraying them to be like one monolithic group. So that's why you have them, all of them have different characters and personalities and dialects. And with Donovan, he has like a South London, like twang. And um, I guess to help me kind of figure out his voice, I listen to a lot of podcasts 
by Black British male leads. So um, Nitis Babies and Chucky Online are quite big ones here in the UK. In terms of if they were based on like any real life men in my life, not really. However, I did kind of use some bits from my husband. So my husband is really into hip hop and Donovan is really into hip hop. And uh, my husband has like this like bright pink bottom lip, which I, <laughs> which I love. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so um, Alex has that as well. So when he read that, he was like, hold on a second. <laughs> and that sounds a bit like me. Um, so I, I use bits from like the way he looks and his personality in different characters. <laughs> mm-hmm. About the characters, because also we might not understand the differences in terms of um, dialect or voice but if Mm. you can just talk about some other characteristics that distinguish the men yeah so like um with Alex he's more I guess even though he was born in Britain in the UK he's very in tune with like his Nigerian culture because he lived in Nigeria for a few years so he can speak Yoruba he knows how to cook the foods he he kind of like banters in the same way that Nigerians kind of banter and then with um Donovan he kind of speaks with this like South London kind of twang so he says in it which is like slang in the UK or um some other words as well um but at the same time he's very in tune with his emotions so he's a very strong advocate for therapy and counseling and mental health and he's not he doesn't shy away from being vulnerable and open and honest and then you have Derek who is Yinka's church friends like they grew up in church together went to the same Sunday school and he had a crush on her as well um and he's kind of like the the nice guy that you know the nice guy that we all kind of brush off you know Um, I want to ask you to go through because it hits me actually they're more important male characters in here than I thought and we're kind of getting near the end but folks just know there's some interesting women, of course, friends, but there are also some very interesting men. Um, I think we're, we're maybe in the down to 60 minutes portion. So I don't know. Is there anything else that anybody else would like to say in, in the remaining 60 seconds? You did a fabulous job oh, of describing you. place and what people wore and bringing us to the moment that we're in in different parts of the novel. I really appreciate that. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for for reading it (laughs) and for for liking it as well. And I too want to say, it just dawned on me, I love the fact that no matter what her awkwardness might be, Yinka had a good job, but she was driving what, I don't know, a Beamer or or a Mercedes or something. Mercedes, yeah. And that wasn't even presented as a big deal, but as a woman who was out in the world and definitely, you know, confident and could take care of herself, (laughs) <laughs> so all, all of the, all this, this mixture was interesting to me. All right. We have been, uh, in, we've been talking to uh, Lizzie Daminola Blackburn about her book, Yinka, Where Is Your Husband? We'll be waiting for the next book. So we'll <laughs> you to come back and visit. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me.